All right. Welcome to the Gay Men Going Deeper podcast, a series by the Gay Men's Brotherhood, where we talk about personal development, mental health, and sexuality. We are your hosts. We have Michael Diorio, who is a life and wellness coach specializing in sexuality, relationships, and self-confidence. We have Reno Johnston, who is a life coach, business consultant, and director of marketing for the Body Electric School. And you have myself. I'm Matt Lancetel. I'm an intuitive life and spiritual coach and counselor, and I specialize in healing and empowerment. So we each have our own coaching practice, but in this podcast, we're sharing all of our best stuff. Okay, so today we have a fairly heavy topic. It's going to be quite revealing. Uh, <laughs> I'm a little nervous. I'll, be, I'll say I'm a little nervous to talk about this, um, but I do think it's a very healthy conversation and one that I think we need to model. Um, so we're going to be talking about unpacking unconscious biases. Um, so this can be a very heavy topic. Um, so we'll be holding beautiful space for each other to, to share in a very authentic and vulnerable way. Um, the questions we're going to be exploring are what are some unconscious biases you currently have or have had in the past and where do they come from? How do you discern between preferences and prejudices? And how can we become aware of these biases and change them to be more inclusive? So we'll continue these discussions on the last Thursday of every month in the Gay Men's Brotherhood Zoom Hangout, where you'll have the chance to share your own experiences. And remembering that this podcast and YouTube channel are listener and viewer supported. If you enjoy what we're creating, you can support us by making a donation to the show using the link in the show notes. And you can also subscribe to early access option on Apple Podcasts, listen ad free and gain early access to episodes. All your support helps us to continue making content for you and supporting our community. And we do thank you in advance. Lastly, if you are looking to accelerate your personal development journey, you can check out our new coaching collection where you'll learn how to heal and empower yourself at your own pace by getting instant access to 45 premium personal development coaching videos um, created by us, as well as our Healing Your Shame and Building Better Relationships courses. So you can head to gaymengoingdeeper.com for more information. Okay. Let me just take a sip here before we begin. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so some of you might not know what unconscious bias is. So I want to kind of explain it and kind of go through a little bit of an unpacking before we, we begin to kind of create a framework of how we want to do this. So um, the term unconscious bias refers to the unconscious assumptions. That's a key word here, unconscious assumptions, beliefs attitudes and stereotypes that human brains have about different groups. These are learned mental shortcuts and they affect how we perceive and respond to people. So that's the definition I, I pulled, but I, I kind of look at it as stories we tell ourselves about people or groups that are usually derived from stereotypes. And we project these onto people and we tell the story of who we think they are based off of whether it's their appearance or um, how they believe about the world. And, and uh, we create stories and then we lead with those stories. Um, so some examples of things that we could be unconsciously biased about are race, age, beauty, sexual orientation, power, status, gender, religion, like basically all the hot topics, uh, you're going to be able to notice that, you, that we're, we're all going to have stories about, about groups of people and even groups about or stories about the group that we belong to as well. And uh, so it's really important to become aware of these stories um, and, and see where they come from, where are they derived from, like um, how are they impacting our ability to connect with each other? Um, and when we do this work, it really leads to beautiful connection. So um, some key features about unconscious biases are, is everyone has them. Okay. No one is excluded from having unconscious bias. We all have them. Um, they are usually formed through the way media portray certain groups. So it could be where we grow up in the world, um, could have a huge influence on that. It could be our family system, um, our government, whatever it might be, our religion, uh, they can be activated within a fraction of a second. So this is usually why they're unconscious. They come from the subconscious. They're activated really quickly. And for most of us, we're not even aware they're happening until we go looking for them. And we are very conscious and we pay attention to them arising within us. Um, we can hold biases against our own group. And I see this a lot in the gay community. I have my own, which I'll be sharing today about the gay community that I, I've been working really hard to uh, to heal and unpack. 
Um, they are they are used by the ego to try and keep us safe by thinking we understand who someone is. Right? This is what judgments and opinions are. They're the ego using um, these things to try and say, yes, I know who this person is. I know how they're showing up and it makes us feel safe. Right. It's 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 adaptive to a certain point, but then it becomes maladaptive. Um, biases are blocking us usually from authentic connection. We can hold biases that go against our own stated beliefs, which can cause a lot of inner conflict. And biases are persistent, but they can be changed with attention and inner work. Okay. Um, so I think it's important to note that we we have, and I always talk about this, I talk about the duality of the human experience. We have the soul self, the higher self, we have the ego self, which I frame as the lower self, right? And I think um, when we are over-identifying with the ego self, we uh, over-identify with the thoughts and beliefs that we have. So we don't have the ability to hover above ourselves and watch ourselves think and watch ourselves believe. And we, we just, we are, we're on autopilot. And I think this is where a lot of divisiveness, hatred, um, discrimination, prejudice comes from in our world. It comes from an unconscious place within us. And a lot of people you know that, you know, we talk about like covert and overt um, racism, covert racism usually comes from unconscious bias where, where we're not actually re like aware of that we're being racist or that we're, we have racist ideologies within us. Um, so it is important. I think the, the, the work here is to develop a deeper connection to your witness consciousness, to your higher self. So you're able to notice where, when these things are at play and to be able to expose them, to bring them forward so they can be, um, mirrored and they can be healed. Uh, and I think that's, that's extremely important. So the last few points I want to make here is why I chose this topic is because in my life, connection is always priority. It always has been. I love human connection. I, I want, that's why I do what I do. I help people heal and become empowered so they can be empowered to have strong relationships and move into really meaningful and beautiful connections. It's the whole point of the Gaiman's Brotherhood. And I do see this as a major block to connection between different groups of people. Uh, so when we do this work, we are telling ourselves that connection is our priority. That's it. Okay. So today when we're doing this and we're, we're exposing ourselves, we're saying we want to get better at moving towards connection with all human beings and viewing all human beings as equal and worthy of love and belonging. Okay. So that's, that's my inspiration for doing this. Um, and then lastly, um, this is a process of getting really real and honest with yourself, <laughs> right? So I'm going to be sharing things today that are going to make me uncomfortable. They might make you guys uncomfortable. And uh, some of them are things from my past. And some of them are things that I'm still currently working with. But I do think it's important. It's important to have this discomfort. And, and you know, we talk about you and I, Reno, did that episode on um, racism in the gay community. And that was Ooh. an uncomfortable conversation, right? We we had to get real and we had to share things that maybe would make other people or ourselves uncomfortable. So today, I don't, I don't see being any different. Um, so again, I'm revealing there's anxiety in my experience right now on, on having this conversation, but I'm going to push through that and I'm going to be really authentic and real with you guys today. So, um, anything you guys want to add before we start? <laughs> um, yeah, I just want to underline that the part where you said it is one of the biggest blocks, I think, to making connection. Um, I agree completely. And I think it's really difficult because like you said, it's unconscious. A lot of people don't see it. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping today, I guess one of my, my goals for the, for this episode is that it will cause you viewer listener to think and just yeah. pause and slow down for a sec in your decision-making. Um, so yeah, as, as you listen to this, you might get triggered as Matt said, mm -hmm. but like lean into the trigger and get curious about it. Don't just be like, Oh, fuck this shit. I'm not going to listen. Like do the work. That's, totally. that's my, that's my ask. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say what feels really important as we have this conversation is to also like hold yourself, um, you know, <clears throat> notice, notice the sensations that occur in your body. Notice where you feel expansive 
and where you feel contracted mm-hmm. and pay attention to that and be curious about it. You know, meet it with the energy of curiosity and also caregive yourself as you're having this conversation because it can be really uncomfortable mm-hmm. these unconscious things are perhaps brought into consciousness via our own sharing. Like, oh, I didn't realize that was there. Mm-hmm. Your knee-jerk reaction might be to go, oh, that's not me. I'm not like that. You know, totally. avoid the feeling. Um, if that comes up, get curious, you know? And it's not about shame, and it's not about blame, and it's not about judgment. It's just about, like you said, connection, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and and make <clears throat> conscious conscious so we can live a more wholehearted life right yeah yeah yeah, yeah well said <laughs> um i want to also note because I've, I've gone through a lot of this work i've done a lot of this work in the last three years so i'm i'm kind of speaking from like having done a ton of unpacking of my of my unconscious biases <clears throat> And what I came to realize is it's it's not my fault. It's not my fault that I have these ideologies because they are conditioned into us. They're, they come from the higher systems above us. And it a lot of it has where, where we are in the world. Okay. So when I say that, I'm not letting myself off the hook. I'm saying I was literally given ideologies at a very young age throughout my development where I just didn't have a higher consciousness to choose. I just thought, okay, this is the world. This is the world I live in. And, but where you have to do the work is take responsibility for this shit, right? You have to take responsibility for all the unconscious biases that you've been fed throughout your life if you want to do this work. And it's extremely uncomfortable. And it, I went through a lot of shame around having some of these beliefs throughout my life. Um, And I did go through the defensiveness when people would call me out. I'd be like, absolutely not. That's not me. Right. And I will say this too. I see this a lot in the gay community. I think there's this, this kind of mask that the gay community wears that we're so inclusive, you know, like rainbow power, everybody on the rainbow is included here, but that's not been my experience. I actually find gay men to be some of the most um, discriminatory and prejudiced people that, that I, uh, or groups of people that I've ever experienced. Um, so I do think that this might wake some people up and it might trigger people, like Michael said, because it's going to really force us to look at ourselves and like, in what ways are we being prejudiced and, and masquerading that as preference in, in the, the community. Right. So I think this is, yeah, anyway, there's, there's a lot of, of meat here to, to really go through, but um, does one of you have a desire to want to start with the first question? Um, what are some unconscious biases you currently have or have had in the past and where did they come from? I can start. Great. <laughs> um, I also want to add one more thing. Don't forget mm-hmm. that this is the third podcast this month where the theme is about, you know, last one we did was uh, acceptance and belonging. And then the yeah. one before that was celebrating diversity. So this all kind of rolls into a a nice package here. These last three episodes we did, um, yeah. it's all under the same umbrella. Okay, so yes, I'm going to speak to one that I had very <clears throat> much in the past, and I'm also going to tell you how I. I don't want to you know the word overcome, but how I managed it and w- what happened to kind of completely flip the script on me. Okay, so my unconscious bias when I came out of the closet, and I know a lot of you are going to probably feel the same way was. If I'm going to be gay, at least I'm going to be masculine. Mm-hmm. And so the bias was masculine gays, masculine, whatever that means, are more palatable, acceptable, lovable, worthy than not masculine gays, feminine mm-hmm. gays, people who were, you know, as- express themselves maybe more effeminately, people who maybe like wore makeup or got into drag or just were just more expressive or had that high pitched voice, whatever that may be. Right. Mm-hmm. So the question, where does it come from, is exactly what you had said, Matt. Like growing up for me, the only access to gay people I had was Queer as Folk and later Will and Grace, the two TV shows. And mm-hmm. so this was, you know, for me, I was like, okay, I want to be like Brian from Queer as Folk, if you guys remember, but not like Emmett. <laughs> I thought Emmett was funny. He was nice, but I would, I wasn't attracted to him. And, 
I, I would like Brian was like the one I would kind of put the Brian types on the pedestal, the more masculine kind of, kind of guys. Okay. And I so wanted Brian to... was masculine and Emmett was feminine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. uh, Emmett was a bit more like, you know, a feminine kind of thing. Um, so not only did I want to be like that, but I was also attracted to that. So it's both. Mm -hmm. It was kind of both. I want to be that. And I'm not attracted to these other guys. Um, and so anytime that I was kind of presented with guys, this was in <clears throat> my university days. So whenever I saw guys that were very out and proud and loud and all the things, even though I was out, I was still out of the, I was still out and proud, but I was like, but not like that. <laughs> it was followed by a, but not like that. Mm. So in my mind, this is again, unconsciously, I was like, if I'm going to be gay, at least, at least I'm going to be masculine. Right. Mm. And I thought, okay, this is going to make it better. Um, you know, this is not going to ruffle the feathers of my family of like the, the the heteronormative norm of culture and so yeah i didn't want to be too closely associated with more effeminate people uh more effeminate gays but again i would find them entertaining which is interesting it's like yes you can entertain me but i'm not going to have sex with you i'm not going to be attracted to you and i'm not really going to be friends with you mm. um again all unconscious and i'm not proud saying this of course especially especially where i am now but i'm going to tell you the story of how i kind of got over that and this also, I mean, this was what was like the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, so there wasn't a lot out there besides queer folk and, and Will and Grace. And I had, I was born in, you know, uh, the suburbs. So, and then I went to school in a, in a small town, Guelph. Um, so I can say that this was definitely my small minded mentality. And things really started to shift when I moved to Toronto. When I moved to Toronto, moved downtown, all of a sudden my exposure to different kinds of gay people, different kinds of people in general, really shifted me. So I credit a lot of my identity now as really starting to form when I moved here, downtown. So I was more exposed to feminine gays. I was more exposed to gays all over the all over the board, more exposed to drag queens. And I got to know them and it, it humanized them, right? Mm. I realized we have a lot more in common than I thought. And so it kind of forced me to like, it started like tearing down all these constructs, all these biases, all these unconscious things that I had built in my brain um, unconsciously or otherwise. And it started saying, oh, wait a minute, maybe I'm wrong. This is not necessarily the truth. Mm. So I, I realized that I was actually repressing a lot of my natural feminine expression that was there to be seen as more palatable for palatable for um, for me, it was my corporate job. I worked in the financial services industry, very masculine, very white, very bro. And so I thought, oh, I need to hide that. I was out-ish, but I definitely would not appear to be gay mm -hmm. um, at work. So yes, meeting all these other kinds of, of people really challenged my preconceived notions. Then I became friends with a bunch of guys who regularly and often got into drag one of which is a fabulous drag queen. Um, and he would host parties and, and all, all this group of friends would regularly get in drag and it would be a fun event. And like, they were really good, like really good. So suddenly I started playing with things like makeup and wigs and they'd host drag parties and I'd go. And I would just start, like he just gave me a bunch of wigs and said, here, these are all my old wigs, have them. And I just started wearing them just for the sheer fun of it. I put on some music, I'd put on some you know, eyeliner, lipstick or makeup and I would just have fun and I would express myself alone but through the music and then eventually in these parties at these parties. Uh, so one of them, the first one I did, I got into full drag for the first time in my life, shaved my beard, which I never do. Um, someone had did my makeup. I, I had paid a drag queen to actually do my makeup properly. And we just had a boss put on the heels, put on the dress and did a whole thing of it. And guess what happened? I discovered a part of myself that was extremely different than the Michael that I had presented, but he, or maybe I should say she was in there the whole time. Mm. She was sassy. She moves <clears> with <throat> finesse. Like, I'm like, I didn't know my body, like my, my hips would just loosen up <laughs> all because why though? Cause I was hiding behind this makeup and this dress and, and all these things. Right. So I finally understood that saying that, that RuPaul says, uh, we're all born naked and the rest is drag. And I'm like, mm. okay, that's what that means. I get it. Uh, now, my voice didn't change, but the things I said changed. I became a lot more confident. And I had said things to people, strangers who didn't even know right, who I was, that I would never say as Michael. And I did things that I would never do as Michael. So after that experience, that's when things really started to shift. It, ma it made me think, okay, why am I only showing this part of myself when I'm hiding behind this drag persona? It's there, mm -hmm. 
And I started questioning it. Okay, notice the times where I'm like actively repressing it. And guess what? I did it a lot of the time, mostly at work, right? So it really made me think. So what did I do after that? The result was I started noticing it. And then I said, you know what? I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to do that anymore. If I want to say something sassy and come out with a little bit of a gay voice, let's just let that happen. Um, which was very scary because I thought, and, and the belief was, oh, if I do this, I'm not going to, it's it's career suicide. I'm going to pretty pretty much kill my career because they're not going to see me, right? The, the, the bros, the people who have the power, the people who make decisions about who gets promoted and who gets paid and who gets what projects. I'm like, I'm going to pretty much just shoot myself in the foot here. I remember one day specifically after a party. No, it wasn't even a party. I was I was just wearing makeup for fun. And I had put on eyeliner, which I love. It's probably my favorite um, makeup. And little innocent me didn't realize that you need special makeup remover to get rid of eyeliner. So the next morning I woke up to wash my face. My eyeliner doesn't come off, but I'm late for work. I got a meeting, big meeting. So I went to work with the eyeliner on. And... The people that didn't know I was gay probably figured it out. And the ones that did were like, Michael, what the fuck are you doing? Like, <laughs> oh, you have God. to go home. <laughs> <laughs> and I sat with it and I did it and I just went. And you know what? It was extremely uncomfortable. But at the same time, at the same token, it was probably one of the most liberating things I've ever done. Hmm. Right. So that was the day that I think I really, if I had to put a line in it, I mean, it was, it was a whole series of things before then, but that was the day that I really was like, oh, wow, this feels way better than, than repressing it. So I think the point of that was I saw the unconscious bias as I was exposed to it. And then I realized, wait a minute, this is not, this isn't true, right? There, there is nothing there. I, and then of course I became more attracted to all kinds of people, including the more effeminate gays and that was fine. Like there was there, all the story I told myself about them being, you know, not as not as sexual or maybe that effeminate guys were more bottoms, right? Not true. This is all mm -hmm. stories that I would tell myself in my mind or that masculine guys were tops and effeminate guys were bottoms. These are all stories and they're, they're just not true. So I think that is probably the biggest change that I've seen. Of course, I still have unconscious bias, um, but I really wanted to express that one as a big shift in, in where I actually took on the role that I thought was lesser than, and it was actually the most empowering thing I had ever done. Mm. So that's Very my, cool. that that's my share about uh, how it shows up for me, which I guess, would you consider that internalized homophobia? Because I think I, that's what mm. I would call it. It could be internalized homophobia or femphobia, yeah. you know, like, but yeah. Yeah, I would say probably. The thing is, with the, in the gay community, I think every gay man has it. Um, still, it lives in our subconscious. We spend so much of our, our lives hiding from it. And then I think some people go like, like, and they overcompensate and they become so feminine and so flamboyant and they just don't care. But I think deep down, like, because I've been doing this work for a long time with gay men and I, I, I always meet that. I always meet it in, in counseling. Like it always comes out. There's always that little thing lingering in the subconscious of like, yes, I, there's, there's, you know, yeah. I still see it, you know, a good way for you to find out if you have this is when you're swiping on like your Tinders and your hinges and whatever those swipey apps are mm -hmm. like, cause we have to make a judgment really quick, right? Yes or no. Like yeah. if we could slow down that judgment and, and figure out why you are making that call, why you're swiping, yeah. Oh, I would love to just get into the brain because that's when the prejudice comes out. It's these exactly. quick snap decisions. Yeah. It's funny that you say that because when you do this work, that's what was happening is I started to slow down my Tinder swiping and I started to sit with the energy of the person as opposed to just the image that they portray. Yes. And that's when I knew that this work was actually sticking. Um, so it's interesting that you said that because I had a that was a big profound <laughs> shift for me around that. I say it still comes up though. Like I'm not saying I just took my unconscious bias like, and did surgery yeah. and extrapolated it. Yeah. Like it's still in there. And, but I have so much awareness of it now that I'm like, oh wait, yeah, this is my ego self telling stories again. I want to come from my higher self. So it's a conscious choice to not let the unconscious bias dictate how we, how we perceive other people. Yeah. Yeah. Reno. Mm -hmm. curious to yeah. Know what to say. There, there's there's it, there's like so much there um one of one of the things i want to start with is um when i'm reflecting on ego because i i i don't 
fully understand what we mean when we say the ego, but what makes sense to me is like when I hear that word, I think of like psychology, but also think of somatics. And so um, <clears throat> I kind of associate like the egoic experience to the psychology, you know, and and so I think what makes sense to me is to is to start to notice the ways in which my psychological and like my somatic or um experience or like reactions or sensations influence like my behavior and how I'm engaging with the world um what there there's another thing that I want to point to as well which is that <clears throat> I'm aware of the fact that when I came in to this world, more or less, like, I was a clean slate, so to speak. Now, that's not entirely true in that, um, you know, I'm, there's like, there's epigenetics and there's wiring and there's, you know, it's like, I am sort of the offspring, the offshoot of like those before me, my ancestors. So you know, acknowledging that, like, I did come in with some preconditioning, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But in terms of, like, you know, psychology, or, like, in this case, bias, well, my sense is that probably wasn't there, um, at least in the context of this conversation, and, like, some of the things that we're pointing to. It, it kind of happened gradually over time. You know, going back to what you were saying, Matt, about it not being my fault. And what what makes sense to me is that the things that I find myself uh, or f discovered I was unconsciously biased about were things that <clears throat> would negatively impact or would um, jeopardize my sense of love, safety, belonging, and comfort. And if I pay attention to um, <clears throat> where I think those things may be jeopardized, I can usually find like where I have bias. So um, for example, let's say like socially, um, and I'm just gonna be candid here. It's like, I saw that being black, um, like, I don't know where I got this from, right? I, I, I don't, I, now I'm more aware of it, but originally I didn't know where this came from, but it was like, oh, well, the darker I am, um, the less love, safety, and belonging and comfort I experience, the less of these, like, the less sort of societal benefits I experience, right? Um, the 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 more um the more weight i put on the less love safety belonging and comfort i experience you know um the the more feminine i am the less love safety belonging and comfort i experience right um and i could sort of keep going down that list it's like oh when i um had a beard i experienced more love safety and belonging right it's like when my voice dropped and and you know and 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 got deeper it was like there was more love safety and belonging there now it's nuanced as well and comfort it's nuanced as well because it kind of depended on what spaces i was in um what what i started to see um as well <clears throat> is like you were talking about earlier you were talking about like um these, these patterns that if you slow down, you start to notice. And like, I'll be transparent in saying, like when I was looking for pornography, for example, to watch, if I saw a black person, I like very quickly swiped like past mm. video, right? And like, that's heartbreaking to say out loud. Um, but it's facts. <clears throat> and I didn't know where that came from. I didn't know where that came from. But 
<clears throat> once I started to notice it was happening as a reaction and I slowed down, I was like, oh, this is interesting. Why am I like very quickly and abruptly and reactively swiping past people who look like me? Um, that's a curious thing. And what I also noticed is <clears throat> if I would start to spend time in the company of Black people consuming Black content, watching Black television and film, right? Or like I'd go see, like, let's say the movie Black Panther or something like that, or I'd watch like Issa Rae's Insecure, or I'd spend time at Black events. All of a sudden, I start to notice that like, I'm not quickly scrolling past that like Black black porn i'm actually looking for it you know and um and indulging in it and so what i started to see was that exposure to these things um really helped me um, become more deeply aware of my unconscious bias and and also like move into it and i'm not going to say beyond it because i'm i'm certainly not there yet it still shows up um, so that's one. And, and then I think, and then I think also like, you know, let's, let's go to the, the femininity thing, the masculinity, femininity thing. Um, because what I see is that it kind of works both ways. There's environments where I experience love, safety, belonging, and comfort, um, as a result of, of, of being more feminine actually. And so I will unconsciously notice myself like favoring that expression within myself and gravitating toward that in the external world. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas there may be other spaces and scenarios where um, I'm like, again, unconsciously um, expressing more feminine traits or sorry, masculine traits and characteristics and gravitating toward more <clears throat> masculine spaces and people. Um, again, my, my sense is that that has something to do with me thinking that or, or some deeper part of me sensing, I'm going to say psychological, I'm going to say maybe even primitive part of myself, um, um, let's say like thinking or sensing that expressing those traits and engaging in those spaces and environments will create love, safety, belonging and, and, and comfort for me. Right. So those are just a couple of examples. Um, I mean, there's like, there's like fat phobia, you know, that's another one that I like, you know, dealt with. Um, there's, I, I, I'm thinking of other things like, like class and um, like I said, skin color already. Um, and yeah, yeah, I could probably, I could probably name some more, but like, those are some of the things that immediately come to mind in terms of <clears throat> biases. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I think that's it for now. Yeah. What about, okay. yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks guys. That's, um, that's, it makes me feel a little safer sharing, <laughs> knowing that you guys are, you have similar things. Um, okay. So I just want to, I want to, I guess, point out, um, you know, it's, it's obvious unless you're listening on the podcast, I'm a white male. My conditioning comes through the lens of being a white male. I grew up in Calgary. Um, I would say early eighties into the nineties, like I would say Calgary was probably 20% visible minority. Now it's about almost 40, something like that, 45. So it's like doubled. Um, but a lot of my conditioning comes around being around, I would say in school growing up, there was probably about 15% of the people that I went to school with were um, visible minorities. Everyone else was white. Um, so a lot of the conditioning I have is around um, that, around race and around um, white people somehow being um, mm. the better race or superior or something like that. So um, 
but I did have experiences in my upbringing that validated some of this, or at least some of the, the, the ideologies that I have. So the very first one is black people aren't trustworthy and break the law. This developed when I was really a lot younger. My mom was held at gunpoint and, and robbed by a black guy. And um, I was jumped by five black guys when I was um, younger. And uh, the same thing happened with a group of, of um, indigenous people as well. And they were really intoxicated. So I, from a very young age, developed these beliefs around these other races aren't safe and that they have hatred towards white people. So I think my ideologies developed very quickly that these are not safe people to be around because um, there's obviously a difference. And I've always felt for a lot of my life, like a separateness um, with, with people of color, like I'm, I'm somehow different than them. And they, and then they see that. And um, so it's like, there's a hard, it's hard to connect. Um, and that's how I felt a lot growing up. Um, and it's interesting because when we first started the brotherhood, a lot of these things were coming to the surface because there's a lot of people of color in our community. And I started to notice some of these like judgments coming up and um, Bryce Harden and I actually had like a hour and a half call and I was able to really soften around some of these things. And we talked very candidly and very open. And he was the first person of color I was ever able to share Um these experiences with and it was really powerful it was a, a huge moment momentary shift where i was like holy crap like there's a lot of stuff inside my little um body and my mind here that i need to really start unpacking around race um and it was really powerful for me it, there was a lot of grieving believe it or not that i had to go through around like letting go of some of this stuff and really looking at where it comes from um within my lineage and within my family um and things like that so um, yeah, so again, black people aren't trustworthy or and break the law. Indigenous people are alcoholics and violent because uh, in, in Alberta, and I'm pretty sure it's like this all over Canada, there's reservations. So a lot of Native people live on reservations and the people that are in the downtown core of Calgary are homeless, they're alcoholic, they are struggling, they're violent. So this is what I saw, right? So that's where this ideology came from. And it wasn't until later in... Um, starting my counseling career where I had to take training on this um, Aboriginal awareness training. That's what it was called at the time. And I had to go through like a whole bunch of these trainings and really understand where this comes from because mainstream media doesn't teach um, colonization. They don't teach genocide. They don't teach these concepts to us because obviously white people are the ones that dominate the media. They, they are the ones that are telling the story. So I had to go looking for the story in order to understand the truth of what was actually going on. Um, and that really helped um, a lot with it. Um, white people think they are better than other races. I do have a belief about that, that, that certain white people do think that they're better but for being white. Um, gay men are all promiscuous and hypersexual. This one I don't really have anymore. I've done a lot of work on this this area. I do still see this in our community for sure, and it can still sometimes be activating for me. Um, but since starting the Brotherhood, like I see, like there's so many men out there that are just craving um, intimacy and sexual intimacy, and they're not wanting to just be promiscuous. And I think um, so. That's really helped me kind of let go of that that belief. Um, rich people are all snobs and they exploit people. <laughs> um, I had a lot of hangups around money, believe it or not, because I didn't come from like a wealthy family and um, I struggled with finances most of my life. And I think, um, so I had this hatred towards people that had it, uh, that were affluent. And I didn't realize that that hatred was actually blocking me from my own abundance. And I started, I actually listened to a book by, um, Jen Sincero called uh, being a badass at making money or something like that. And that yeah, was a, you are a badass at making. Yeah, money. it was such it's a paradigm good, but... shift for me because I was like, holy crap, like I'm blocking my own abundance here by hating people who have what I what I secretly desire. But I was like, oh, I'm spiritual. And, you know, I I don't want money. I don't want material things. And now I'm like, fuck, yeah, I do. <laughs> I'm like, I love shopping. I love, I want a nice car. I want, you know, and I'm allowing myself to have the very things that I was hating people for having. Um, 
Middle Eastern men devalue women. I think this is still part of my belief system because I do see this. I think uh, women are seen as second class citizens in a lot of Middle Eastern countries. And so I do have this belief that Middle Eastern men don't value women the same way that they value men. Um, and so I would say, you know, the, the next four are ones that I think I'm still working on. So attra most attractive men are conceited. I do some, I, I do carry this belief that when I see like an attractive man that they think that they're better than people who are not uh, as attractive. I use air quotes when I say that. Um, all politicians are liars and manipulators. This is a still very alive for me. I, I struggle with politicians. I struggle with people that um, make promises and then don't fulfill them. So I see that as lying and manipulating. Um, feminine men are more bottoms. Um, I definitely always attribute that when I'm swiping. I'm like, I always am <laughs> like, oh yeah, definitely not a top, definitely not a top. But then in my actual experiences, I'm like, oh yeah, this person could easily be whatever expression they want, right? Um, and then my last one that I wrote down is all doctors push pharmaceuticals on their patients. Um, mm -hmm. I've had this as a, this has been my, my common experience of Western medicine. And, you know, you go to, I go to my doctor and I say, okay, this is what's going on. And they immediately pull out their prescription pad and they're like, let's fix this with a pill. And that's been my experience of our medical system. And, and unfortunately it's created to have some unconscious bias. And I've had to really check that because I've also come across doctors who don't do that and they take their time with you and they want to learn about you and, um, they treat more holistically. So yeah, well, it feels good to share some of those because it's like they live so they live in the and they lurk in the shadows of our consciousness. And it's like, man, when we start to to bring them forward, it really can uh, create a lot of clarity around like, holy crap. Yeah, I've I've been a product of this crazy world and, and its oppressive nature. So um, yeah, can I just say too, I love mm -hmm. the way that you frame them. Like mm -hmm. I actually hadn't thought of that and when you started going down the list and vocalizing mm -hmm. uh, you know your internal uh like or un unconscious biases and beliefs and and narratives um yeah i think that that's brilliant and it's something for me to sit with like oh um you know I i'm almost inclined to go and write a list just like that for myself and I would invite the listener to do the same if, if it's totally resonant with you to do so, like just sit and, and kind of think about what, where those show up in you. What are you, what is your version of those things? Cause that yeah. seems like the beginning of this awareness and recognition. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I did a video on this in, in our <laughs> membership community when oh, we had the cool. membership and I did that. I spent like a month or two just really getting honest with myself and Tinder was a really beautiful place. I was like, what stories am I creating about these people? And I started to write these down. And then I started to go through my childhood and like, oh yeah, I was, I was jumped by five black guys. What sort of impact did that have on me? You know, and I started to really get clear about like, you know, how I view people. And because I had an experience with one person that represented a group of people, I put that whole story on that whole group of people, not just that one person. Right. So I think it's important to also be more individualistic when we're doing this work. It's like that experience was that person. They're not representing a whole group of people, you know, so that was powerful for me. Yeah. That's called anchor bias. And that is extremely common for all mm -hmm. humans, not just you. <clears throat> it's when our mind anchors to the first experience we have of a particular person or group. And then we just anchor that like, that's it. That's what it yeah. is. Right. Yeah. So that's definitely one of the more common cognitive biases. Totally. Yeah, it's totally. it's funny because like I think about my dad, my relationship to my dad formerly, um, <clears throat> and the the bully, <clears throat> my, like just some of the boys that I was around in the community. So it was, like for me, it was just like immediately men are assholes. Mm -hmm. Men are assholes. Like fuck them. You know, yeah. a long time too. Like a long, long time. I had a lot of deep work to do with that, and yeah. still, I'm still like you know doing it. Same. Yeah. Can I quickly say one thing that you brought up for me, Matt? Um, the what, the thing about money and those <clears throat> being your secret desire. Mm -hmm. Going back to my story, I had a secret desire when I was when I was having all these prejudiced thoughts about um, femme gaze. Yeah. Um, my secret desire that I would never have admitted at the time was that I was jealous that they were so comfortable in their own skin, mm. and I clearly at the time was having to put on this facade of you know masculinity or having to repress that 
you know, natural finesse and sass or whatever I had. And I was jealous, I think, that they were able to express themselves authentically. And of course, I didn't know that at the time. It was very subconscious. But that was my secret desire. And that was very triggering for me. Like, how <laughs> dare they? Like, if I could go back now, I'd probably be thinking, how dare they act themselves when I have to be this other person <laughs> to be loved, right? So I think that's a very, yeah. very good point. Yeah, I think uh, jealousy masquerades as hatred until yeah. we make peace with it. And then the hatred turns into jealousy. And then where the jealousy shows us, oh, yeah, I actually desire this as well. Yeah. But when it's so deep seated, it shows up as hatred. It's like, fuck you. That's gross. I can't believe you would do that. Right? Mm. But really, it's coming from this desire in us yeah. to do that. So what a beautiful example to highlight yeah. that. Um, okay, so uh, why don't we just keep the same order? So Michael, how do you discern between preference and prejudice? Uh, great question. This is a really good question. Um, and you know what, actually, for those of you who are listening right now, I want to hear your answers to this. So if you're watching on YouTube, please go to the comments and let us know how you would decipher this question as well. Yeah. Okay. So the word prejudice, right, is so I'm I have an I'm Italian, so I, I, I see the Latin background and things is pre, which is in advance, and then judice, which is like justice or judgment. So mm -hmm. the way I see it is it's like a prejudgment where you decide something. Prejudice is when you like make a decision, you pretty much decided the facts before mm -hmm. you know the facts. And so that is how I would define the prejudices where you're making a decision based on someone, based on things that are biases, based on your biases. So you have biases and you're judging them based on these things that you've created in your mind without taking the time to actually learn the facts. Um, prejudice, I would say, is often rooted to me, that word just sounds more negative. Like we we all, to your earlier point, like we all make up shortcuts in our mind. We can't, our brains cannot <laughs> take in all the information we see and like take the time to go through it. But when we're in a prejudice, I think that's more rooted in ignorance, fear, and insecurity. Mm -hmm. Whereas a preference, we all have preferences. It's like natural, right? And it's, to me, that word isn't as bad. Uh, it doesn't have the, a negative connotation for me personally. But I do think it's problematic when you have prejudice and you use preference to mask it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's where we have an issue. And that's really hard to do, which is why I think this is such a great question. So going back to the swiping, right? This is a great example for anyone out there who has a swiping app. A little test you could do is literally, instead of like doing what they want you to do, which is like make a preconceived judgment and swipe, like write down on a piece of paper the reason why you are swiping on this person. It will force you to come up with words and vocabulary and a reason as to why, right? Mm -hmm. And look at that reason. Not because, again, not to shame yourself, but just to see how is my brain working? Like really like taking that like microsecond decision, pausing it, and like elongating it, elongating it and slowing it down and saying, what's going on here? I think that's where we're going to find out what are the preferences and prejudice in 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 people. It's a really good example. And it's going to be very uncomfortable because your, your brain's going to want to be like, I don't know, I just do. Or I don't mm -hmm. know, I just don't. Yeah. But don't let yourself give into the I don't know. I hate I don't knows. It's like, you do know, you do know. It's somewhere in there. Force yourself to, which is why I like the idea of writing it down because yeah. you're forced to find words. You're forced to like, literally find the vocabulary and you might not like what you see but that's the whole yeah, point exactly exactly i love that thanks michael that's really brilliant yeah and it's like it's making me think oh there's a part of me that wants to say what i'm about to say out loud and there's a part of me that's like reno shut your mouth <laughs> this might get you in trouble but honestly i i think i'm just gonna i think i'm just gonna be brave and honest and i'm gonna say like you know, some of the things that come up when I think about when I'm swiping, for example, or if I were to do that list, and I wouldn't recommend you all say this out loud either. I'm doing it because I guess I'm comfortable with the repercussions. If you're not, just do it yourself. You're everybody. But um, yeah, like I'm thinking about when I'm swiping and when I'm scrolling. And <clears throat> I think, well, first, let me just say, for me, the difference between a prejudice and a preference is that a prejudice, um, a prejudice kind of others, or it creates a separateness, a disconnection. So like, um, for those of you who are listening, I'm sort of like gesturing as if I'm pushing something away or blocking something out. A preference 
is 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 um is something like it's an invitation but it, it invites something in it welcomes something we are moving toward it right and so that's kind of how i discern between what i'm preferring versus what i have a prejudice about right um and and so when i think about scrolling for example or how i engage in the dating world like if i'm being honest if i sat down what i probably hear in the back of my mind is like oh like that person um is like too fat or like oh like that person's like too dark or um that person looks too like feminine or like that person's very like like asian looking or something you know like and i'm just being explicit like i'm not and and i'm aware of these things as they're happening and i i actually have found myself leaning in as a result of that you know spending time like moving in the direction of of those like of those prejudices or of those like biases and becoming more curious about them um i shared in a previous episode and again i don't want a prize or a cookie for this i'm it's my work i don't care like it's not about anybody else or like being favorable but but you know to to people um you know receiving the good opinion of other people i i i mentioned in a previous podcast episode that i had um moved out of my zone of comfort and familiarity and engaged with someone who was physically disabled and was in an electric wheelchair i created a a connection and and a friendship and a bond with that person and i did it out of curiosity and out of a recognition that i had these biases that i had these prejudices um and so yeah uh, that I I'm I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to say about that but I think ultimately um an awareness of the sensations that I'm experiencing in my body as I'm engaging like really slowing down and paying attention to what's happening where I'm expanding and where I'm contracting and why that's happening and just really slowing down enough to get curious about my orientation and how I'm navigating certain things um that's become a really powerful tool for for dis- um discernment yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah thanks guys this question came from that video that we did with um like on the racism in the gay community because that became a hot topic if you go down and read the comments it was like preference prejudice and you have all these people with different you know opposing ideologies so mm-hmm. I, I i think a lot about this question actually it comes up a lot for me um and i remember disclosing in that episode so that episode was about three years ago right about that maybe two and a half years ago something mm-hmm. it was quite early on and i disclosed in that video that i i have a preference for white men and it comes from growing up and you know i think human beings work we tend to be attracted to our our father figure for gay men like what that that looks like typically and i really bought into that so i i i but what's happened since then it's been two and a half years since then i do notice that this has shifted um where i don't really um look at it through that lens anymore i i kind of look at it through the lens of energy and i think part of my awakening was becoming demisexual and being more uh falling on on the lines of energetic attraction versus physical attraction so i don't put as much emphasis on the physical anymore but um i think preferences they they are for me they include what we like whereas a, a prejudice would exclude what we don't like so it would be like saying um i like tall men where prejudice would be like, I don't like short men, right? So it's about how we're framing it. And I think it's really important to notice where this comes from. Where does this preference come from? Does it come from prejudice? Does it come from unconscious bias? So that's really what will probably shift for a lot of people when you do this unconscious bias um, healing or unpacking. It'll start to make you more aware of why you prefer certain things and whether they're informed by prejudice or whether they're informed by authentic desire, right? So it's like how I discern is I use like the example of woman, like I'm 100% gay, I have zero desire to be with a woman sexually. 
And when I think about that, I'm like, I have an authentic desire to move towards men, the male body. That's what I find attractive. That's my preference. Be- because I don't am not, am not attracted to women, does that make me prejudiced towards women? No, right? It's just neutral. There's a neutrality there. It's just, it is what it is. I move towards one thing. But if you're repelled and you're moving away from something to move towards something else, I would say that's when it would bleed more in towards prejudice. It's like, okay, well, why why am I so repelled by this this over here when when I could just be neutral and move towards what it is that I desire? And that's really helped me kind of understand like where I do still hold uh, prejudice um, within my preference. Um, and yeah, it's been it's been quite helpful. Um, doing that because the, the tinder has been actually probably where I've had most of uh, most of this growth is when I'm swiping, like I'm slowing down and I'm really connecting inwards. But then I do find myself sometimes going into old habits and I'm like, Oh yeah, shit. Why did I swipe on that person? Um, you know, like what is it about this person that I'm drawn to? Um, so yeah, that's my, my answer. Okay. Last question. Um, how can we become aware of these biases and change them to be more inclusive? Mr. Michael. Tinder. <laughs> Tinder. Yeah, exactly. Well, Tinder, right, right, anything Tinder like experiment. Right. Anything like that. Anything like that. We're, we're, we, the, what I love about that example, and it's what's, what's the other one called? Hinge. And um, there's other ones. Bumble and yeah. Hinge. Bumble. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anything like that. It's like, it's kind of meant to um, trigger all of our preconceived unconscious biases right that's that's the whole point of them so i love that idea um so that's a fun experiment like we've talked about another one that we've we've all kind of talked about in our own way is literally exposure like exposing yourself to the group or the types of people in which you might have a a, a by unconscious bias towards um of course first you have to be aware of it right which is the hardest part because it's so much easier to notice bias in others is very hard to see within yourselves so you know i'm hoping that this episode helps and also you know working with a professional who can hold a mirror to you and say it doesn't have to be professional actually it could be a friend right who's like hey you know what you might want to look at this um but having someone kind of show you that um could be a huge help in developing the awareness and then once you've noticed it or questioned it then exposing yourself to it like i had done with 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 mine although I didn't notice the bias. It just became more clear when I was exposed to it with these people. Um, so those are two. Um, some other ones that I thought of were um, kind of like consciously giving <clears throat> your mind, like we talked about, like I had said with writing writing things down, like really slowing down all of your decision-making process and like writing down or like making conscious conscious the reasons right? So we make decisions in the unconscious off, like most of the time is very snap instinctual, right? So the way to bring that consciously is to like, not let yourself do that and write it down or like consider why am I making this decision? Um, And that will help at least bring some awareness. And then the other thing is where you are noticing that maybe there's some bias or prejudice um, is find the evidence against it, right? So in my example, femme guys are more likely to be bottoms find the example like find a, a femme guy to top you or something like that right it's here like, honey yeah. right here <laughs> right and then it uh, like it just gives your it gives your mind evidence that hey that's mm. just that's just not true so out that one goes right mm-hmm. um and and so it, again it's part of that exposure but really like flipping the script completely like turning it right upside down if this is my belief how is the opposite true mm-hmm. right so um, that's one way to do it. And and the, finally, the tough one is, as we said at the beginning, notice where you get defensive. Notice where you get defensive and, and, mm. and approach that with curiosity. Don't give in to the defensiveness. Just be like, hmm, this is interesting. Let's unpack it a little bit and see what mm. we find. Don't just immediately say, no, that's not me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah, great. I love those. I would probably echo a lot of what you said. You know, I'd be like, Bitches, get your knapsack and your, <laughs> and your notebook and then walk into every space that you feel uncomfortable in. Yes. Like sit down, pull it out and take notes. You know, mm-hmm. what comes up? Notice the stories, notice the sensations, like get get like really comfortable in those spaces and just see what happens and what's there and what it brings up for you. I mean, that's been my own work in a lot of ways. And 
by no means am I like finished with this. Like I'm still mm -hmm. learning every day. I could be like, yeah, I love men and I'm done and I did my work. Not true. I still see that stuff come up to this day. So it's like, it's been ongoing for me, but exposure and curiosity have been huge, you know, and, and willingness as well, like a willingness to, to go there, to like speak those unsavory truths, to allow those unsavory sensations mm -hmm. to come up and arise in me and to meet them with curiosity and, and compassionate inquiry, you know, um, I think that's that's really the only way. And what I've seen is, or one of them at least, um, and what I've seen is the more I'm willing to meet what's there and to expose myself to these spaces where I have judgments, whether it's like rich people or white people or black people or men or Asian people or, you know, or like or like fat people or whatever it is, you know, who like, I mean, there's a, a list, but the more. Um, disabled people like I could go down the list I could go on and on and on um, the more I've been willing to expose myself to those environments and really it's I'm exposing myself to myself that's what it is you know it's like yes those environments are a space that sort of supports and galvanizes and catalyzes that inner journey but it's like ultimately it has nothing to do with them I'm exposing myself to myself you know mm. Then I'm experiencing what arises in me. And that's for me to work out. You know, that's for me to work out. And and ask for help too if you need, you know, it's like you don't have to go this journey alone. That's why we have spaces like the gay men's brotherhood, you know, or like we have therapists and coaches and like people who've done this work and who can hold you through that process when shit gets real, because it does, you know. Yeah. I love that saying, exposing myself to myself. That is, um, I think that's the definition of consciousness. Yeah. <laughs> we just mm. came up with a new definition for consciousness. <laughs> yeah. It's And you you were saying like, you're not quite sure how to frame the ego. Like I have different framings for it, but I would say in this context, it could be the narrator of our experience. The, 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 person, that. the person that's in our mind, that's always narrating everything. And when yes. we're swiping when we're swiping, we're like, ew, gross, that guy's yucky. And, you know, we're doing all these things. That's the ego. The ego is constantly narrating. So if you can get in chart or get in touch with your narrator and start to challenge your narrator, that is the work that's exposing yourself to yourself. So um, that's a good, a good way to frame it. I like that, you know? Thank you. Uh, okay. I got a whole giant list of things. <laughs> yeah, I'll, you I'll, do. I'll try and be quick. Um, so, Okay, so first off, it's talk to people who are not the same as you, because that's where this work happens, because that's the mirror. If you go to a white therapist, and you want to deal with white privilege and white superiority, good freaking luck with that. <laughs> right? Because their unconscious bias will come to the forefront as well. So it's like, you got to do this work with people who you have the bias with. So like Reno and I've done a lot of great work in this space together. Bryce and I did a lot of great work, like, because this is important, right? We need we need different experiences, we need different perceptions in order to shift our own. And uh, so that's that's probably my first, uh, probably most potent one. Uh, if you're not quite ready for that one, though, because that's too intense, um, I, I do something and I'm constantly doing this. So I always ask myself, what is the story that I am telling myself about this person? And uh, this is an authentic relating game. So you can play this with somebody, right? Like Reno and I could sit together and we could be like, what is the story that you are telling about me? Like, what 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 are you what what character are you creating in your mind about who I am? And we expose that to each other. It's a really beautiful, really fun game. But I do this all the time with people just in general. If I'm walking down the street and I see somebody or I see a cute guy at the at the bookstore or something, I will play that game. I'll be like, what story am I creating about who this person is? Nine times out of 10, I'm wrong. <laughs> I don't know who this person is. I'm just judging the book by its cover. I don't know what's actually the content of the book, right? Um, so beautiful game. I love that one. Um Think, of, think about times where people made assumptions and judgments about who you were and how did this make you feel? So a little practice of empathy here, like um, that sucks. I hate that. I hate when people assume that I'm a dom top because that's how I appear, right? And it's like, I have a whole other side to me that I want to be explored. And I don't like it when people put that label on me and then treat me as if I'm that, you know? So it's it gives me an opportunity to open up to a new perspective. Um. 
come up with a list of your own biases towards groups of people like I did. I think that's that's a really potent thing. And again, like just start writing them down as they start showing up and then start looking at where they come from. Um, just as I did in this episode, I think that's a really beautiful way of exposing um, yourself. Um, talk openly about them. This is like a really healing conversation for me. I think this is kind of like the cherry on top. I did a lot of the like actual deeper kind of more intense work with Bryce and in our episode and these sorts of things. But I think the talking about it is really powerful because we're often on autopilot and we just think these thoughts and we just behave in ways and we believe in ways. And until we start to expose it and talk about it, we'll, all, we'll stay stuck spinning on that same wheel, right? The talking about it creates a new wheel. And then we get we get feedback, we get perception uh, shifts, and I think that's really, really powerful. Um, try your best to lead with equality, empathy, and inclusion. And I think for me, I do this by looking for the humanity in people. So when I strip the story, I'm left Ooh. with the person, right? Not the story, and that is like looking for the humanity in people. And I really I love that because I'm like. Yes, my instinct when I see a person of color is to be like, I'm different than them. I'm white. I'm different. But it's like when I strip away that story and I move towards them as a human being, I'm connecting with their soul, right? And I have both of these parts of me. I have my ego part that can feel separateness from them. And I have my soul part that can feel connection to them. And I'm always trying my very best to move towards that soul energy. But I have days where I don't still. And I don't beat myself up if I go into that, those zones but I take responsibility for it. And I think that's the biggest, the biggest thing here. Um, and then the last thing is try to put yourself in their shoes. Um, what have you been unfairly judged for in your life, which I think I already talked about, but um, yeah. So lots of really beautiful work to be done here. Um, I think this is a, a hot button topic. I'd love to even just have like a zoom hangout where we talk about this just alone and start to get the conversation rolling. Um, because I think this is uh it's a very hot button topic and for people that are bringing a lot of unconsciousness in it can it can lead to a lot of triggering that's why there's a bit of apprehension on having this conversation for me but um, if we can get enough consciousness in that room i would be very open and enough people there to hold space for this i think i'd be very open to doing this yeah this has been like one of my favorite favorite i and i could probably say that about most of the episodes we've <laughs> this has been like probably my favorite episode i loved it this conversation is amazing and there were so many moments where i feel like uh, you know it's like oh we could go so much deeper so mm -hmm. hope that we get to do this again and like dive deeper into this particular topic yeah 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 ditto ditto i love it anything you want to say michael um yeah i just wanted to you had mentioned the video uh unconscious bias oh, yeah. this is the video you did in the membership so fyi that video is available in the coaching collection so mm -hmm. uh, matt takes you through a beautifully matt-esque process with lots of lovely mm -hmm. steps mm -hmm. um and that's in the coaching collection right indeed yeah, yeah. game in going deeper.com um, yeah. And if you want, you can check out our website at gaymensbrotherhood.com, which is basically will take you to everything we offer. Um, you can sign up for the Zoom hangouts there and we will email them to you every month instead of having to go into the Facebook group. Um, so yeah, lots of cool resources on that page. Um, yeah. Thanks guys. This has been a really, really powerful conversation for me. I appreciate your vulnerability as always. And I love you both as brothers. And mm -hmm. Always mm -hmm. nice to yeah, it's nice to walk this path with you guys. <laughs> um, and please come and join us in the Gaiman's Brotherhood. Uh, come to the, the the Zoom hangout for this one. This one's going to be a really yummy one. So come and and share your share your uh, your ideologies with us and your thoughts. And if you're on YouTube, like Michael said, please drop some some things. We want to stimulate a really nice conversation about this. I know this is going to bring up a lot of stuff for people. So feel free to share um, candidly in the comments below this video. And if you're listening on um, your favorite podcast platform and you enjoyed what you heard today, give us a five-star rating because it does help us uh, expand. It helps people see this video the more that uh, it gets uh, rated highly. So... All right. Until next time. Much love, guys. Thank you. Much love. Bye.